Hello and welcome to Explore, where we discuss educational theories, concepts, models, and other topics of interest. I'm Dr. Colin A. Harris. Thank you for joining us. Today's topic is corporatocracy. Corporatocracy is a term that refers to an economic, political, or judicial system that is governed or controlled by corporations. The United States have a two-party electoral system. That means two parties dominate the political fields in all three levels of government. This system is made up of the Republican and Democratic Party. In recent years, anger and resentment has grown exponentially among citizens, but the question is why? Today we will analyze the current political climate in the United States and its socio-economic impact on the American population. Let's start with a brief civics lesson on the Founders intended design for the United States government. The Founding Fathers designed a system where three different branches of government hold each other accountable. The legislative, judicial, and executive branch. All three components working at the behest of the people. The people. We the people refers to anyone who lives in the United States and is protected by the U.S. Constitution. The executive branch. The executive branch carries out and enforces the laws passed by Congress. It is led by the president and includes the vice president, the cabinet, executive departments, independent agencies, and some boards, commissions, and committees. The cabinet and federal agencies handle the day-to-day -day enforcement and administration of federal laws. The executive branch comprises of politically elected leaders selected by the national voting community. The legislative branch. The legislative branch is made up of the House of Representatives and the Senate, known collectively as the Congress. Among other powers, the legislative branch makes laws, declares wars, regulates interstate and foreign commerce, and controls taxing and spending policies. The legislative branch is made up of members from designated jurisdictions within each state. The judicial branch. The judicial branch is made up of the Supreme Court and other lower courts. This branch evaluates laws created by Congress. It is an apolitical branch whose purpose is to decide the meaning of laws, how to apply them in real situations, and whether a law violates the provisions outlined in the Constitution. The Free Press Though it's not an official branch of government, the freedom of press is protected by the First Amendment and is critical to a democracy where the government is accountable to the people. The backbone of any democracy is an independent, professional, and responsible media. Thus, the purpose of the press is to provide citizens with the accurate information they need to make the best possible decisions about their lives, communities, societies, and government. Simply put, the press's job is to accurately inform the people. Let's be clear. This is how the system was intended to be. We will refer to the Founding Fathers' intended design as the original government structure. Within the original government structure, the voters select their executive leaders and legislative representatives. This structure prioritizes the needs, security, and welfare of the people. However, reality differs from the original government structure. The current government structure prioritizes the needs of corporations over the needs of the people. Let's look at the current government structure a little bit further. America has made remarkable unofficial modifications to the original government structure, which some refer to as corporate rule. 
In recent decades, the owners of corporations have strengthened their grip on the U.S. political system, so much so that it has widened the wealth gap in America, while simultaneously creating an American class system. The top 1% of Americans have about 16 times more wealth than the bottom 50%. Under the current corporate rule, the executive, legislative, and judicial branches are all financially motivated to doing the bidding of corporations. The legislative branch enacts laws that overwhelmingly benefit corporations. According to a Princeton University research, the preferences of the average American appears to have only a minuscule, near zero, statistically non-significant impact on public policy. Specifically, the people's need for a particular public policy has no significant impact on that policy being passed. Members of Congress also often support social policies to elicit votes, but once in office, they support policies that benefit corporations under the guise of bipartisanship. Let's take Kirsten Cinema for example. She ran on the policy in her 2018 Senate campaign to allow the U.S. government to negotiate prescription drug prices. Growing up, our family struggled to make ends meet, and we didn't have health insurance. No child should go without a doctor, and no family should be bankrupted by medical bills. We need to make healthcare more affordable with access to the lowest cost prescriptions and fix what's broken in the system, not go back to when Arizonans had no say about their health coverage. I'm Kirsten Cinema. I sponsored this message because every American deserves quality, affordable healthcare. Now, let's take a look at what the citizens of Arizona received for casting their votes for Kirsten Cinema. 88% of voters favor allowing the federal government to negotiate lower drug prices, including 77% of Republicans. And at least 90% of these lawmakers' constituents support it. Few policies are as popular. It's so popular, in fact, that both Kathleen Rice and Kirsten Cinema actively campaigned on it. So, what gives? Follow the money. From 2019 to 2020, Kirsten Cinema received over $120,000 in big pharma contributions, even though she's not up for re-election until 2024. Throughout her political career, she's taken over half a million dollars from pharma PACs and executives. Just before she came out against allowing Medicare to negotiate drug prices, a group bankrolled by Big Pharma began running TV and digital ads and sending mailers praising her for, quote, fighting as an independent voice for Arizona. Coincidence? If you're wondering why these lawmakers would go against their own president and party and the overwhelming preference of voters, including their own constituents, to tank a policy they themselves used to support? Well, all you have to do is follow the money. The Supreme Court rules in favor of most cultural issues, but almost always makes judgments that benefit corporations. On January 21, 2010, the Supreme Court ruled in Citizens United v. Federal Election Commission, allowing wealthy donors and corporations to make unlimited monetary contributions to political campaigns. This decision allowed wealthy donors, corporations, and special interest groups to influence U.S. elections and dramatically silence the voices of the American people, while simultaneously making it difficult to combat political corruption. The question is why? What influence does money have on the Supreme Court and the decisions they render? The Federalist Society straight up picked the judges on Trump's shortlist. 
and that the Judicial Crisis Network, a group linked to the Federalist Society that fought for all three of Trump's nominations, received large anonymous donations in the years before each of those nominations. The network is part of many interconnected organizations that, according to the Center for Media and Democracy, have taken in over $400 million in dark money in their efforts to remake the court system. But if you could briefly sort of walk us through, for those who missed it today, why they should know what the Federalist Society is and its relationship to who gets on the court, at least when Republicans are picking them. Sure, the uh, Federalist Society is a right-wing legal organization that um, Trump handed basically the keys to, to pick who he was gonna put on the Supreme Court. And they set up a selection process that has been very secret. And at the same time, they received huge multi-million dollar anonymous contributions. So it really looks like the Federalist Society hosted a special interest group that paid to play. And what they paid for was the chance to make sure that they got the Supreme Court justices that they wanted. And this happened three times in a row. And then if you go down the hall from the Federalist Society in the same building, you reach the Judicial Crisis Network, which is a fictitious name organization under Virginia law that also got huge multi-million dollar checks and paid for the political campaigns to push through the justices that had been selected through that Federalist Society turnstile. Very likely the same money behind the whole scam. And right now the three justices are sitting on the Supreme Court and they're being told what to do by a whole fleet of front groups that is all pointed against the people, four big corporations, against regulation and for political dark money and mischief. And this would all be, you know, sound and fury signifying nothing except for the fact that the justices rule in alignment with these front groups virtually every time they turn up. And the record is really astonishing now of, of 80 partisan decisions with all the conservatives lined up on one side that break precedent and do political steps that the big donors want. So the, the record of what has been done to this country by the dark money right um, is really profound, but it's hidden because it's being done by judges, not being done in plain view in the legislature. The Supreme Court has become so political that it has lost its prestige. The executive branch. The executive branch currently gives billionaire donors prestigious positions within the administration as a quid pro quo for their monetary contributions and to remain in the good graces of the corporations so that those donors may continue to contribute to future presidential campaigns. See that guy standing next to the president? You know, the one that looks like a butler? His name was Don Regan, the chairman of Merrill Lynch the richest and biggest retail brokerage firm in the world. He took the key position of Treasury Secretary so he could enact the tax cuts that the rich wanted. Regan then became White House Chief of Staff as the President started to fade. Then they should give the President what 43 governors have, a line-item veto. And uh, I have to speed it up. Oh. Who tells the president to speed it up? 
the band from Merrill Lynch, that's who. Things in America would never be the same again. The country would now be run like a corporation. Let's look at a more recent American president. He first shocked the Republican Party by defeating his competition to become the party's nominee. He campaigned on the board promise to put America first, to make America great again, and to build a wall between Mexico and America. Then he stunned the world by winning the national election. He stacked his administration with family, old friends, donors, and lackeys. He cut taxes for the ultra-rich and corporations, and corruptly capitalized on financial opportunities. The president's name is... Yes, you guessed it. Donald J. Trump. Despite his dysfunctional presidency and negative impact on the American democracy, a large segment of the Republican Party loves and adores Donald Trump. Let's be clear, this segment is not a referendum on Trump's presidency. Instead, it is intended to highlight the influence of the ultra-rich and corporations on the office of the president. According to the Federal Election Commission, six pro-Trump groups raised $54.4 million from 136 mega-contributors, including 63 billionaires. In return, the Trump administration rewarded these individuals and entities with a $1.3 trillion tax break. You have a situation with Gutter, uh, where allegedly they didn't go through with a transaction with the Trump family, and then they got punished uh, by the U.S. government. You have a situation with China, where the president originally said he was going to revisit one China policy, and when he decided not to, Ivanka gets trademarks. Uh, he decided to, through his Treasury Department, sanction the Chinese firm ZTE. He reverses course when China makes a $500 million investment in a Trump-branded property in Indonesia. There is so much evidence of corruption by President Trump and his allies, just a fraction of which was detailed there by Adam Schiff. We could do a whole show, honestly, on corruption every single night. Just look at what's going on in Washington tonight. There is a big fundraiser for Mitch McConnell's Super PAC with featured speaker Mike Pence at where? Trump's D.C. hotel, which made $40 million last year. It's one of his best performing properties, and that is because lobbyists and foreign officials and Republican power players all want to curry favor with the president, so they spend money there, money that goes right into the pockets of the president and his family. Under the current political system, the press serves as the marketing arm for corporations, and thus propaganda that promotes the agenda of the rich and powerful. Every major media outlet in the United States shares at least one board member with at least one pharmaceutical company. Let me put that into perspective. These board members wake up, they go to a meeting at Merck or Pfizer, then they have their driver take them over to a meeting with NBC to decide what kind of, pro of programming that network is going to air. And for those board members who aren't pulling double duty with a media conglomerate in a big drug company, they still understand that they can't be mean to Big Pharma because Big Pharma pays their bills. Drug companies spend about $5 billion a year on advertising with these media outlets. So when you have a case against Pfizer or Merck or Eli Lilly or any of the other major pharmaceutical companies, do you think those board members are going to let you get on the air and tell a story that's bad about what they do? Or are you naive enough to believe that they really don't interfere with the day-to-day -day operation? Uh, it can take anywhere from three days to a full week before the media reports on a drug or a medical device recall, if they report on it at all. In the case of Invokana, for example, it took 32 days before media outlets reported about an FDA warning about the product 
creating too much acid in the bloodstream. The FDA began warning about the dangers of Cook IVC filters as early as 2010, and then it took five years before the media started paying any attention to that. The press holds the government and politicians accountable only when their actions goes against the press's economic strategies. Let's take Senator Bernie Sanders, for example. For over four decades, he has been consistently critical of the role and influence of big business and money in the United States political arena, as well as the impact on society. He has called out his peers in both the Democratic and Republican parties, sometimes aggressively targeting their corrupt positions and identifying these individuals by name. Still, Senator Sanders' message on health care, prescription drugs, political corruption, minimum wage, the fossil fuel industry, and Wall Street directly threatens corporate rule. So much so that the corporate wing of the Democratic Party, Republicans, and the media join forces to protect the interests of their wealthy donors and advertisers by stopping Bernie Sanders from occupying the White House. What I'm going to tell you is that the working class and the middle class of this country are in serious trouble. We are moving toward an oligarchic form of society where a small number of billionaires not only have extraordinary wealth, they have extraordinary political power. We are living at a time when half of our people are living paycheck to paycheck in the wealthiest country on earth, when 70 million Americans have no health insurance or are underinsured, when we have a starvation minimum wage at the federal level of seven and a quarter an hour, where half of the elderly workers, older workers in this country, have nothing in the bank as they fear retirement. When you have two people on top in America who own more wealth than the bottom 40%, CEOs of major corporations today are making 350 times more than their workers, and we have more income and wealth inequality than any time in American history. Now is the time for the American people to stand up make it clear that enough is enough and that we need a government that starts representing all of our people, not just wealthy campaign contributors. What does that mean? It means that we have to end a corrupt political system in which big money buys elections. It means that we have to end a very unfair tax system in which billionaires in a given year don't pay a nickel in federal taxes. It means we have to raise the federal minimum wage to at least 15 bucks an hour. It means that we have to join every other major country on earth in understanding that health care is a human right, not a privilege, and stop spending twice as much per capita on health care to enrich the drug companies and the insurance companies. Bottom line, let's create a government that works for all of us, not just the people on top. The corporate influence in the political arena and in the press has led to corruption through unchecked personal greed and grotesque inequality. 
the emergence of corporatocracy in America has also contributed to the massive distribution of wealth from the poor and working class to the ruling class and corporations, resulting in the perpetual criticism and disgust from voters directed at the members and leaders of the opposing political party. In most instances, this reaction is a gross misdirection of anger and resentment because the true crisis is that both the Republican and Democratic parties have collectively facilitated the corporate capture of the American government. Let's play a lightning round game. I'm going to be the bad guy, which I'm sure half the room would agree with anyway. And, um, and I want to get away with as much bad things as possible, ideally to enrich myself and advance my interest, even if that means putting, uh, putting my interests ahead of the American people. So if I want to run a campaign that is entirely funded by corporate political action committees, is, that, is there anything that legally prevents me from doing that? No. Okay, so there's nothing stopping me from being entirely funded by corporate PACs, say from the fossil fuel industry, the healthcare industry, big pharma, I'm entirely 100% lobbyist PAC uh, funded. That's right. Since the Supreme Court's 2010 Citizens United decision, the economic power of corporations has been translated into strong political power with disastrous effects on people's lives, drowning out the voices of the American voters and creating a monopoly on political influence. The Citizens United decision gave corporations free reign to donate significant sums of money to politicians. Most Americans, 83% to be exact, agree that corporate political spending drowns out the voices of average Americans. These members also believe that corporations and corporate CEOs have too much political power and influence. It's totally legal right now for me to pay people off. And that is considered speech. That money is considered speech. So I use my special interest dark money funded campaign to pay off folks that I need to pay off and get elected. So now I'm elected, now I'm in. I've got the power to draft, lobby, and shape the laws that govern the United States of America. Fabulous. Now, is there any hard limit that I have in terms of what legislation I'm allowed to touch? Are there any limits on the laws that I can write or influence, especially if I'm based on the special interest funds that I accepted to finance my campaign and get me elected in the first place? There's no limit. So there's none. So I can be totally funded by oil and gas. I can be totally funded by big pharma. Come in, write big pharma laws, and there's no limits to that whatsoever. That's right. Ultimately, under the current fantasy political system, the government is designed to enrich those who are in power. The question is, how did the founding father's design go so astray? We can answer this question by simply looking in the mirror. Yes, we the people fail to understand what the rich and powerful know so well. That is, money is one of the most substantial sources of power in a representative democratic society. I'm talking about this. Human and social values are also essential in America's political debate. For example, the Republican Party emphasizes individual freedom while the Democratic Party emphasizes community. These values are routinely used as weapons by politicians of both parties to incite culture wars within the population and to virtue signal. But why? It's to evoke emotional responses and distract us from the issues that would benefit us financially. 
Now I would like to put forward a personal theory that explains the impact of money on one of the most polarizing political issues in the United States today, abortion. I believe there is a financial incentive for taking the anti-abortion stance because childbirth is big business in America. You might wonder how is it possible for the rich and powerful to further enrich themselves by banning abortion. Please allow me to explain. The average cost for an abortion in the United States is around $750. So, if a woman walks into an abortion clinic today, her total expenditure would be relatively close to this $750 figure. In contrast, the cost of natural childbirth with insurance is $13,024. According to the U.S. Department of Agriculture, the average cost of raising a child to age 18 today is estimated at $272,049. Keep in mind that those numbers don't include the additional cost of sending a child to college. The CDC stated that approximately 3.6 million children were born in the United States in 2020. This means that an estimated $4.7 billion go directly to the healthcare industry annually from childbirth alone. Simply put, abortions are a direct threat to the healthcare industry. A 2019 CDC report indicated that the United States performed about 630,000 legal induced abortions that year. For the sake of argument, if the United States were to eradicate all legal abortions, the healthcare industry would be set to gain an additional $8.2 billion in annual income just from childbirth. Remember, we have not considered the money that the food and the retail industry would make by feeding and clothing a child, nor did we calculate the income the fossil fuel industry would make from adding a potential 630,000 new drivers each year. In the United States, the elites and corporate donors influence military spending, health care, immigration, and other policies affecting many human and social issues. This indicates that we have moved from a democratic society to a state of corporatocracy, where our leaders are political commodities to be bought and sold to the highest bidder. Keith McCoy thinks he's being headhunted for a new job. In fact, of course, he's being covertly filmed. So tonight, a man boasting at a job interview or a never-seen-before look at how big oil tries to manipulate big power or both first the targets congressmen are fish exxon is the fisherman when you have an opportunity to talk to a member of congress you know the the the, the you know it's it's I, I i liken it to fishing right you, you you know you have bait you throw that bait out you know it's all these opportunities that, that you use, that, and, and to use the fishing analogy again, just to kind of reel them in, because they're a captive audience. They know they need you, and I need them. Senators pressed to do Exxon's bidding behind closed doors. You want to be able to go to the chief, yeah. and so the chief knows you, that you can go to the chief and say, look, we, we've got this issue, yeah. uh, we need Congressman so-and-so to be able yeah. to either introduce this bill, we need him to make a floor statement, we need him to send a letter, yeah. you name it, we've asked for everything. So who are the fish? I'm Joe Manchin. I approve this act because I'll... The biggest catch, according to Mr. Coy, it's the conservative Democrat Senator Joe Manchin, who famously shot President Obama's cap-and-trade climate bill. And I'll take dead aim at the cap-and-trade bill. Joe Manchin, I talk to his office every week. 
Um, he is the kingmaker, uh, and, and he's not shy about sort of staking his claim early yeah. and completely changing the debate. Legal declarations show that Senator Manchin has received tens of thousands of dollars from ExxonMobil and its trade associations. Keith McCoy names 10 other senators as crucial to ExxonMobil. Senators Mark Kelly, Chris Coons, Shelley Moore Capito, Kirsten Sinema, John Tester, Maggie Hassan, John Barrasso, Steve Daines, John Cornyn, and Marco Rubio. All bar Kelly and Hassan have taken money from Exxon, totaling $117,000. We gave all these senators a chance to respond. None did so. I will end this video with a bit of optimism. There is a new generation of politicians who vow to fight for voters, not for corporations. These politicians also proclaimed not to accept monetary support from corporate donors. This declaration aims to ensure that they are not beholden to corporate interest. We're at a really important point right now where more people are starting to widely recognize that money in politics is a huge problem and that it's the root of why we're not getting movement on things like healthcare, education, housing. And so now that people are more aware of the role of money in politics, there's much more energy around supporting people who take the courageous step to reject corporate donations to run a political campaign. Supporters can give up to $2,800 per primary campaign. So if you're giving $1 at a time, your money goes a lot farther than giving $2,800 at once. Basically, from a candidate's perspective, it sounds a lot better to say, we've got 2,800 people giving us $1 at a time, giving whatever amount they can because they believe in us. That sounds a lot better than saying, we have one person who gave us a $2,800 check. Woo! With such a bold stance against corporatocracy, this new breed of politicians are consistently targeted by mainstream media, corrupt Republicans, and corporate Democrats. They are also met with fierce criticism whenever they support laws that financially benefit the poor and working class or go against the elites and corporations. That's our show, folks. Thank you for watching. Before you leave, please subscribe, smash the notification bell, give the video a thumbs up and leave a comment. Thank you and see you next time.